In this recording, we're going to be learning through one of Rabbi Yosef Dov's chidushim to explain the view of the Rambam about Megillah's Sota, the scroll of the Sota. And as we'll see at the end, there's a very interesting exchange of letters between Rabbi Yosef Dov and Rabbi Yitzchak Hutner. And now all of the letters are published, so we can see their exchange back and forth. So after the original article was published in 1939 in the Hapardes Torah journal, Rav Hutner wrote to Rabbi Yosef Dov about his idea, and Rabbi Yosef Dov responded, and then again, so they each wrote two letters on this topic, and Rav Hutner's two letters are published in the Sefer Azikaron of Pachad Yitzchak, so the memorial volume for him, and Rabbi Yosef Dov's two letters are are published in Igros Hagrid. So we can trace their conversation back and forth. Now, the original article deals with themes that are already dealt with in Chidush Rabbeinu Chaim HaLevi in Hilchos Tfilin, as well as in Chidush Maron Riz HaLevi in Hilchos Tfilin and Hilchos Megillah. So these are some of the classic themes of Brisk, but Rabbi Yosef Dov takes it in his own direction and has a totally original analysis. So we'll begin with Rabbi Yosef Dov's original article, which is republished in Kovetz Chidushe Torah, beginning on page 123, and in Igros Hagrid on page 99. The Rambam in Hilchus Sota Paragimel Halacha Ches writes, V'acharkach mevi Megillah shall or tahor. Afterwards, they bring parchment from a kosher animal, like a Sefer Torah. The Kosev Aleha B'loshon HaKodesh B'diyo She'ein Bo Kan Ketom L'shma Shal Isha. And they write on this parchment in Hebrew with the proper ink for the sake of this woman. So the Rambam describes how to write the Megillah of the Sota, the parchment that has the psukim that they then wash off into the water. So there is a rule of Megillah's Sota, like there's a Sefer Torah, like there's Tefillin, Mezuzahs, all of those are written on parchment. So the Sota ritual also requires a parchment. And the Rambam describes that the basic details follow the laws of the Sefer Torah. Now, one of the details that the Rambam just ruled is that the parchment of the Sota needs to come from a kosher animal, like the parchment of a Sefer Torah. So this comes from the Yerushalmi and Sota Beis Dalid, which is quoted by Tosvos and Sota Dafyud Zion. And there, there's a debate in the Yerushalmi whether, in fact, the parchment needs to be from a kosher animal or not. So the Rambam obviously rules like the view that it does need to. But Rabbi Yosef Dov raises a question that the debate in the Yerushalmi seems to be lichatchila, whether ideally the parchment should come from a kosher animal. Because the Yerushalmi quotes a debate that Rabbi Lezer ben Shamua says that the Parsha of Sota needs to be written on a kosher animal parchment. And Rabbi Shimon disagrees. Rabbi Shimon counters that the whole point of writing the Sota Megillah is only to erase it. So who cares whether the parchment comes from a kosher animal or not? Even if it's from a non-kosher animal, it's just a practical parchment in order to be able to erase it. It's not like a Torah where the writing is going to stay there. So then the Yerushalmi quotes that Rebbe 
Eliezer ben Shimon, so Reb Shimon's son, Reb Eliezer, ironically agreed with the other Reb Eliezer who disagreed with his father. So there was a debate between Reb Eliezer ben Shamua versus Reb Shimon, and Reb Eliezer, the son of Reb Shimon, agreed with the other Reb Eliezer that you have to write the Parsha of Sota on parchment of a kosher animal. So he explains that view. Shema Tomar Eina Shose, maybe she's not going to end up drinking, so they're not going to end up erasing the Megillah. And then it turns out that Hashem's name is sitting on parchment from a non-kosher animal. So the concern is not with the actual Megillah of Sota. The concern is that if for some reason they don't end up erasing it because she's not going to drink it, so then it ends up with the name of Hashem left on parchment from a non-kosher animal. So that sounds like it's a Jurabanan lichatchila. The rabbis are saying that ideally you shouldn't use parchment of a non-kosher animal because of this concern, but it's not a deoraisa that disqualifies the whole parchment. So why is the Rambam recording this halacha as if it's a deoraisa that if the parsha of Sota is written on a non-kosher animal parchment, it disqualifies it? Even the view in the Yerushalmi that says that it should be written on a kosher animal parchment is only saying that it's drabanan because of a concern that it might not be erased. Whereas the Rambam formulates it much more strongly that it must be written on parchment from a kosher animal. Second, and related to this, Rabbi Yosef Dov asks, why does the Rambam add in the phrase, like a Sefer Torah? He seems to be saying that the reason why the Sota Megillah needs to be on parchment of a kosher animal is the same reason why it needs to be like that for a Torah. But when it comes to a Sefer Torah, there's a very specific reason for that halacha. Because it says that the Torah should be in your mouth. So we derive from there that it can only be written on parchment from an animal that could have been eaten. But that halacha doesn't apply to the Megillah of a Sota. There's no special halacha that it needs to be written on a kosher animal parchment. So why is the Rambam comparing a Torah to the Megillah of Sota? So Rabbi Yosef Dov explains the approach of the Rambam and how he interprets this Yerushalmi. So he asks, what does it mean, according to the view in the Yerushalmi, that you can write the Megillah's Sota on a non-kosher animal parchment because anyways it's going to be erased? How does that explain how you're allowed to go ahead and write the Megillah on non-kosher parchment even though it's going to be erased, but if that's ineligible parchment, so how can the ritual be done on that parchment? So Rabbi Yosef Dov explains that the Rambam in Hilchus Avos HaTomos Tes Yud Aleph rules that if someone touches a Megillah's Sota, their hands do not become Tameh. The basic principle is that if someone touches a sanctified scroll, their hands become Tameh. That's a decree to protect sanctified scrolls. And touching a non-sanctified scroll is like touching anything else and the hands don't become Tameh. So we can always tell whether something is a Kisve HaKodesh, a sanctified scroll, depending on whether one becomes Tameh for touching it. So the Rambam rules in the laws of Tuma that one is not Tameh for touching the Megillah's Sota. So we see that it's not a sanctified scroll.
Now, the Rambam explains the reason it's not sanctified is hoil ulmechika omedes, because it's going to be erased. And this comes from the Yushalmi in Sota, which says the same thing, that the Megillah's Sota does not make the hands tamay because it's going to be erased. So this idea that because Megillah's Sota is erased tells us that it's not included in Kisve HaKodesh. It's not a sanctified scroll. So that explains what the Yushalmi is saying, that because of this idea, it can also be written on non-kosher animal parchment, because there's no issue writing the Megillah Sota itself on non-kosher animal parchment. The only potential problem is that it's also Kisve HaKodesh. Maybe writing this scroll is a sanctified scroll, and then it has to be on kosher animal parchment. So Reb Shimon in the Yushalmi says that since it's going to be erased, it's not Kisve HaKodesh. It does not have the status of a sanctified scroll. So therefore, it's also allowed to be written on non-kosher animal parchment. But now, says Rabbi Yosef Dov, there is still another potential problem with writing the sota on non-kosher animal parchment. And this is based on his analysis of the Rambam in Hilchos Yisodei HaTorah Vav Hey. There are seven names of Hashem that are the primary names, and it's prohibited Mida Oraisa to erase them. And then there are all the other ways that we refer to Hashem, which are called Kinuyan nicknames. And there the Rambam rules, Shar HaKinuyan Shemeshabchin Bahenas HaKadosh Baruch the nicknames that we use to praise Hashem, Kegon Chanun Verachum, like merciful or kind one, Harehin Keshar Kisve HaKodesh, it's just like regular Kisve HaKodesh, Umutar Lemochkan, and they're allowed to be erased. So the Rambam is ruling that the nicknames of Hashem are allowed to be erased, but he calls them Kisve HaKodesh, sanctified scrolls. So Rabbi Yosef Dov asks, what does this have to do with sanctified scrolls? We're not talking about names of Hashem or nicknames that are written in a Sefer Torah or a scroll. They could be written anywhere on a piece of paper. So why is the Rambam labeling them Kisve HaKodesh? So from here he derives that according to the Rambam, a name of Hashem is automatically considered Kisve HaKodesh. So the names of Hashem have sanctity for two reasons. First of all, because they're a name of Hashem, so that gives them sanctity. But second, because they have the status of Kisve HaKodesh. So there are two ways to create Kisve HaKodesh. One is to write Psukim of Tanakh in a scroll properly. And the second is to write the names of Hashem wherever they are, even on a piece of paper. And that has the status of Kisve HaKodesh. So the source for the Rambam's view is the Gemara in Erchin the Gemara discusses where the name of Hashem was written on a vessel or a beam. So the Gemara says that that part can be removed and buried and the rest of the vessel or the beam can be used. So the Gemara explains it's because the name of Hashem is Shalobi Mekomo, not in its place. So therefore it doesn't sanctify it. So there's a debate amongst the Rishonim, what does this mean, the name of Hashem is not in its place? Some explain that since the name of Hashem was on one side of the beam, it doesn't sanctify the rest of the beam, which is not the place with the name of Hashem. 
So that's why the area with the name of Hashem has to be buried, but the rest of the vessel or beam can be used. The other way to understand this is that it means that the name of Hashem is not supposed to be written on vessels or beams. It's supposed to be written in scrolls. So since it was written in an unusual place, it doesn't sanctify the entire beam or vessel. So that would mean if the name of Hashem was written on a scroll, it would in fact sanctify the entire scroll, even where the name itself does not appear. So those are the two ways to interpret this phrase in the Gemara, that the name is out of place. So Rabbi Yosef Dov asks two questions on these interpretations that they don't fit perfectly into the Gemara. So as a result, he suggests that the Rambam had a third interpretation of what this means. What does it mean that the name of Hashem is out of place? So the Rambam explains that there are two elements to the sanctity of the name of Hashem. One is as the name of Hashem, and the second is as Kisve HaKodesh. So every name of Hashem has the status of a sanctified scroll, but that can only apply when it's written on a scroll. Then it sanctifies the whole scroll. When it's written on a vessel or a beam, it's not going to sanctify the object because those objects cannot become Kisve HaKodesh. Even if you were to write the whole Torah on a beam or a vessel, it would not become Kisve HaKodesh. Kisve HaKodesh must be on parchment with ink. There's a way that they have to be written. So that's what the Gemara is discussing, not whether the name of Hashem in itself has sanctity. That's clear that it does. The question is, does it elevate the whole object which it's written on to be considered Kisve HaKodesh? So that only applies to a scroll, not to a vessel. So that's what the Gemara is discussing. And from there, the Rambam saw that there is a second component to the name of Hashem that it automatically creates the status of Kisve HaKodesh. Now, as an aside, it's worth pointing out that Rabbi Yosef Dov's uncle, Rabbi Nachum Krakowski, wrote a commentary on the Rambam called Avodas HaMelech, on the first volume of the Rambam. And he was close with the Soloveitchiks. He was a student of Rabbi Chaim Soloveitchik in Balazhin. And then he married a daughter of Rabbi Elia Prezhiner. So his wife was Rabbi Yosef Dov's mother's sister. And his last position was as the Magid, one of the Rabbanim in Vilna. So Rabbi Nachum Krakowski was close with his nephew, Rabbi Yosef Dov, and he's mentioned a number of times in the Avodas HaMelech, specifically because Rabbi Yosef Dov was in Berlin, so he would check in the university libraries the different versions of the Rambam. He had access to much more texts and older manuscripts of the Rambam than his uncle in Vilna, and he would send him letters, there's a number of letters in Igros Hagrid, with the different variant texts of the Rambam that he found. So he's quoted throughout Avodas HaMelech for looking through the Berlin Library manuscripts and sending his uncle different versions of the Rambam. So on this halacha in the Rambam, in Hilchus Yisodei HaTorah, Vav Hey, the Avodas HaMelech quotes that his nephew, Rabbi Yosef Dov, found in Berlin another version of the Rambam, which does not have the phrase Kisve HaKodesh, but it says Kishar Divrei HaKodesh, like other words of sanctity, not Kisve HaKodesh. So this is just an interesting historical 
historical aside that Rabbi Yosef Adov was already quoted in the Sefer Avodas HaMelech for finding that there's another version of the Rambam, which would answer this question. The Rambam is not comparing the name of Hashem to Kisve HaKodesh. He's just comparing it to other words of sanctity, and that makes perfect sense. But even so, Rabbi Yosef Dov continued to explore and try to understand the printed version of the Rambam. So in his 1939 article, which was after he left Berlin, he was still explaining the printed versions of the Rambam. And this is his explanation that according to the Rambam, the name of Hashem on a scroll automatically has the status of Kisve HaKodesh. Now, this is all a little bit of a tangent. The basic point that he needs back to the Parsha of Sota is that when the name of Hashem appears on a scroll, according to the Rambam, that's considered Kisve HaKodesh. So now applying that to the Yerushalmi, the Rambam holds that writing Megillus Sota on parchment of a kosher animal is not only a drabanan because of a concern that it won't get erased, but it's actually a daoraisa. It must be written on proper parchment. Because even though we have the idea that since the Megillah is going to be erased, it's not considered Kisve HaKodesh, that only is enough for the other words on the page. So there's a lot of psukim that are written on the page and they are not sanctified because when they're written, the intention is to erase them. So this does not become Kisve HaKodesh. But the names of Hashem that appear in those psukim and that are written on the parchment work differently. Even though originally when they're written, the intention is to erase them, so they don't become Kisve HaKodesh at that moment. But if the woman decides not to drink, so they end up not erasing them, at that point, the names of Hashem do become Kisve HaKodesh. The rest of the words don't change after they're written. So if someone writes Psukim without the name of Hashem on a scroll, intending to erase it, and then they change their mind, it doesn't retroactively become Kisve HaKodesh. But the name of Hashem works differently. If it's written on a scroll with the intention to erase it, it does not become Kisve HaKodesh. But if they change their mind, it retroactively does become Kisve HaKodesh because now there's the name of Hashem on a scroll and according to the Rambam, that's automatically Kisve HaKodesh. So that's the problem that the Yushalmi is raising. If they end up not erasing the Megillah's Sota, it's going to be full Kisve HaKodesh because of the names of Hashem. So it sounds to us like that was only a drabanan concern that what are you going to do with the words of Torah written on parchment of a non-kosher animal but says Rabbi Yosef Dov according to the Rambam it's not just a drabanan concern. It's a real deoraisa problem because now we have Kisve HaKodesh names of Hashem with the full status of Kisve HaKodesh which are written on non-kosher parchment. So the Yushalmi is saying that me Raisa, you cannot go ahead and write Megillah Sota on non-kosher parchment because even if they do end up erasing it, but the way this halacha is formulated is anything which is going to be Kisve HaKodesh, even if it's possibly going to be Kisve HaKodesh, has to be written on parchment of a kosher animal. So even though in this situation of Megillah Sota, it might be erased, in which case it will not be Kisve HaKodesh, or it might not be erased, in which case it will be Kisve HaKodesh, but that's all included in the halacha. You are not allowed to write something which could develop into Kisve HaKodesh on non-kosher.
kosher parchment. So that's the view of the Rambam. That's why he records this halacha that even mida oraisa, it's disqualified if someone writes the Megillas Sota on non-kosher parchment. Now, the question is, why does the Rambam then hold that touching Megillas Sota doesn't make the hands tameh? If it's Kisve HaKodesh, so then one's hands should become tameh. So Rabbi Yosef Dov answers very cleverly that that's based on a different halacha in the Mishnah in Yadayim Gimel Hay, and the Rambam records that halacha in Avos HaTomos Tesvav, that there's a minimum of words that are necessary in order for something to make the hands tameh. There have to be 85 letters. Less than 85 letters does not make the hands tameh. So even though, according to the Rambam, Megillah Sota is Kisve HaKodesh because of the names of Hashem that are written on it, but there's not 85 letters in the names of Hashem. And the rest of the words in the Megillah are not sanctified, so they don't contribute towards the 85 letter minimum. So since there's not 85 letters in Megillah Sota that are sanctified, therefore the hands don't become Tameh, but the scroll itself is still Kisve HaKodesh because of the names of Hashem that are in there. So this explains why the Rambam interpreted the Yerushalmi on a Deoraisa level that writing Megillah Sota on a non-kosher parchment disqualifies it. And this also answers why the Rambam compared it to a Sefer Torah because now that we know that according to the Rambam, Megillah Sota has the status of Kisve HaKodesh so it is like a Sefer Torah. It has to be written on kosher parchment based on the halacha that was given regarding a Sefer Torah and other Kisve HaKodesh. So this is a very nice approach to explain the Rambam, but there's still a lingering problem here because we don't need Megillah Sota to be Kisve HaKodesh in order to do the Sota ritual. So there's no rule that the Megillah that the Parsha's written on and then erased must be Kisve HaKodesh. So again, we're back to the question, why does it need to be a kosher parchment? That's all in order to make it Kisve HaKodesh. But if it's written on a non-kosher parchment, so then it would not be Kisve HaKodesh, but what does it matter when it comes to the ritual of Sota? Now, we could answer this question that it's true. We don't need to write it on kosher parchment because of the Sota laws, but there's a separate halacha because of the Kisve HaKodesh laws. So it's prohibited to write Kisve HaKodesh on non-kosher parchment. So even though it's true that that could be used for the Sota ritual, there's no problem in terms of Sota, but there's a problem in terms of Kisve HaKodesh that it's not allowed to be written on non-kosher parchment. But says Rabbi Yosef Dov, if so, why is the Rambam recording this halacha in his description of the Sota parchment? It has nothing to do with the laws of Sota. He should have recorded this halacha elsewhere dealing with Kisve HaKodesh. The Rambam includes this detail in the description of what makes something a valid Sota scroll. So it has to be with ink on parchment, lishma, all the details of writing the Megillah Sota. And one of them is that it has to be on kosher parchment. So why should that be if Sota doesn't require Kisve HaKodesh? So Rabbi Yosef Dov answers this. The Rambam rules that the ink of the Sota cannot have kanketom. And that comes from the Mishnah. Now, kanketom is a material that makes the ink very black and it's very hard to erase. So obviously the Sota ink cannot have kanketom because that would defeat the whole purpose. It's intended to be erased. So the Rambam and the Mishnah are saying something practical that the ink of the Sota has to be ink that can be erased.
erased without kanketom. But in addition, there is another element to this halacha, that the sota scroll has to be written with proper ink. So not only is there a practical issue that the ink has to be something erasable, but it also has to be valid ink of the type that could be used in a Sefer Torah. So what is the source for this detail that the ink of the sota has to be valid ink? There are other objects in halacha that have to be written like a get, which do not require valid halachic ink. Anything that writes is good enough. You just need to be able to practically write the words. So how do we know that sota is compared to a Sefer Torah, that it has to be written with proper ink, not just with anything that will write the words and then be erased? So Rabbi Yosef Dov very brilliantly finds a source for this. The Gemara in Sota Dafchaf says that according to Reb Meir, even the Parsha of Sota in a Sefer Torah, so someone's writing a Torah for their shul, the section of Sota needs to be written in ink without kanketom ink that's erasable, because according to Reb Meir, you're allowed to pour the sota water even on the sota parsha in a Torah. So it doesn't have to be in a separate special scroll, even if they take a Sefer Torah and pour the water on the parsha of sota in that Sefer Torah, that's good enough. So every Torah should be written with erasable ink in the sota section in case they use it for a sota. So the obvious question is, why does every Sota Parsha need to be written with erasable ink, even though Rabbi Meir holds that they could use a Sefer Torah for the Sota ritual, but how does it follow from that, that the Parsha of Sota always needs to be written with erasable ink? It could be that if there's a Torah with erasable ink, then they can use it, but otherwise not. So says Rabbi Yosef Dov, we see from this Gemara something unbelievable, that the Parsha of Sota not just in the special Megillas Sota, but any time the Parsha of Sota is written, even if it's written in a Sefer Torah, it always has to be written with erasable ink. That's how the Torah defines writing Parsha Sota, that it's written with erasable ink. Now, what that means is that if someone would write the Parsha of Sota, those words from the Torah, with non-erasable ink, so they're actually not allowed to write that at all because you're not allowed to write down words of the Torah unless the Torah gives permission to write them. That's the whole idea why the oral Torah was originally not allowed to be written down. So the Torah does not allow writing Parsha Sota unless it's written in erasable ink, whether it's in a Sefer Torah or whether it's on its own. Whenever someone's writing it in a scroll, it has to be written with erasable ink, and that's the only time the Torah gives permission to write those words. So now when someone writes Megillah Sota, so they write it in its own scroll, there are two reasons reasons really why it needs erasable ink. First of all, because practically it's supposed to be erased. And second of all, because the only permission to write these words down is if it's in erasable ink. Otherwise, there's a problem because the Torah doesn't allow writing it down. And that detail also applies to the Megillas Sota. So now, according to Rabbi Yosef Dov's analysis of Rabbi Meir's position, so there's something very interesting. According to Rabbi Meir, one can use the section of Sota in the Sefer Torah for the ritual of Sota. So if someone
someone would write a Sefer Torah and they would write that section of Sota in non-erasable ink, so it has Kankentom in it. So according to Rebbe Meir, there's no problem of Kisve HaKodesh. In terms of the Kisve HaKodesh, that's fine. But there's a separate problem that the person wasn't allowed to write those words down because the Torah does not allow writing the Parsha of Sota in non-erasable ink. So this is a very unusual situation where it would be Kisve HaKodesh, but the person was not allowed to write it down. Now, the Gemara makes clear that according to the other view, that you cannot erase the Sota from a Sefer Torah. So then you could write the whole thing in non-erasable ink. So Rabbi Yosef Dov explains, because according to that view, the Parsha of Sota in the Sefer Torah is not a Sota Parsha. There's nothing separating it from the rest of the Sefer Torah. It's the same as anything else. So the rule of erasable ink does not apply to the Sota written in the Sefer Torah, only when the Sota is written in a separate scroll. Whereas according to Reb Meir, the Parsha of Sota in the Torah is both part of the overall Sefer Torah and it's a Parsha of Sota with all the rules of the Parsha of Sota. So that's why it has to be written with erasable ink. So from Rabbi Yosef Dov's analysis of this whole Gemara, we learn that there is a special rule that if the Parsha of Sota is written with non-erasable ink, so then there was no heter, no allowance to write it down to begin with. So now, based on this, Rabbi Yosef Dov suggests that's why Megillah Sota cannot be written with anything. It needs proper ink. Because it could be that the ink is not a halacha in Kisve HaKodesh. So it's not about creating a proper scroll, but it's a halacha in terms of when the Torah allows writing down these words. So the Torah gives allowance to write down the Torah Shebech Sav when it's written with the proper ink. So that's why it also applies to the Megillah Sota, because as we saw, anything that's relevant to the allowance to write down the words of Torah applies to Megillah Sota as well. So that's why it needs proper ink. So now, having traveled this far, this could also account for why the Rambam includes kosher parchment on the list. So again, the question was that that's a rule in Kisve HaKodesh, and the Megillah Sota is not Kisve HaKodesh, so it could be that the Rambam holds that the kosher parchment requirement is not in Kisve HaKodesh, it's in the regular halacha of writing down Torah Shebech Sav. So as we just said, those rules apply also to the Megillah Sota, like using proper ink, like using erasable ink, any detail that the Torah requires in order to be allowed to write down the words also applies to Megillah Sota. So it could be parchment from a kosher animal is part of being allowed to write down the words. So that's why the Rambam includes it in the requirements of Megillah Sota. And Rabbi Yosef Dov adds one point of explanation to this, that as he said before, it could be that it's prohibited to write Kisve HaKodesh on non-kosher parchment. Now the problem was, why does the Rambam include that halacha in the details of the laws of Sota in what creates a Megillah Sota, not elsewhere in the laws of writing Kisve HaKodesh? So says Rabbi Yosef Dov, this now all makes sense, because since there is a prohibition to write the Megillah Sota 
on non-kosher parchment, even though theoretically that has nothing to do with the laws of Sota, but once it's prohibited to write the words, so that means the Torah does not allow writing these words without kosher parchment. So if a person goes ahead and does that, that's going to disqualify the Megillah Sota as well. So even if the prohibition didn't begin in the laws of Sota, but it's going to affect the laws of Sota, because once it's a disqualified parchment, so then it's no longer allowed allowed to write the words and that disqualifies it from the laws of Sota perspective as well. So this is Rabbi Yosef Dov's very brilliant piece. It doesn't have one central theme that ties it all together as most of the pieces that we've looked at from Rab Chaim, Rab Velvel, and even Rabbi Yosef Dov have. So this piece is a little more scattered, but there's three very brilliant insights. One is this idea that according to the Rambam, any name of Hashem written on a scroll has the status of Kisve HaKodesh. The second is that according to that, the Megillah Sota has the status of Kisve HaKodesh, assuming it's not erased. And that seems to go against Rab Chaim and Rab Velvel, who assume that the Megillah Sota is a mundane scroll, not Kisve HaKodesh. So Rab Yosef Dov is saying something radical. And then the final idea that there's an element of Megillah Sota that without it, it's not allowed to be written. And that's different than Kisve HaKodesh. And potentially it includes that it has to be erasable ink. It still has to be proper ink and it has to be written on kosher parchment. So now Rav Hutner sent Rav Yosef Dov a letter on this piece and some of the ideas he's very taken with. And of course, he also has some questions. So I'm going to go through the back and forth, but not all the details because there's a lot of details and it would take a long time to go through it all. But I want to focus on the major issues that they're debating to give us a sense of how these two great Talmidei Chachamim debate back and forth in their letters, different issues of halacha. So the first part of Rav Hutner's letter focuses on Rabbi Yosef Dov's idea that writing the name of Hashem in a scroll automatically becomes Kisve HaKodesh. And he's very taken with this idea. In fact, he has a proof for it from the Gemara in Moed Ka'an Chafvav, and he also thinks that it answers a question of the Kesef Mishnah. But he also makes an assumption in the course of his analysis, and Rabbi Yosef Dov questions him on this. So the question that Rav Hutner raises is the Gemara in Moed Ka'an derives that there's a halacha, that if someone sees a Sefer Torah or other Kisve Kodesh that are burning, they're supposed to do Kriya. They're supposed to tear their clothes. And the proof for this is a story in Sefer Yirmiyahu where the king burns the scroll of Eicha and the people there are supposed to do Kriya. So we see that someone who sees the burning of a scroll of Kisve HaKodesh is supposed to do Kriya. Now, Rav Hutner asks on this, what is the proof from the story to the halacha because the book of Eicha also has the name of Hashem in it. So maybe the reason they had to do Kriya is because the name of Hashem was burning, not because it was Kisve HaKodesh. So how do we derive from this story that someone who sees Kisve HaKodesh without the name of Hashem in it burning still has to do Kriya? So Rav Hudner answers that the Gemara says that there's actually two Kriyas. A person has to tear twice. 
one for the words that are burning and one for the actual parchment which is burning. So that shows for burning Kisve HaKodesh, even without the name of Hashem, one has to do Kriya. Because otherwise, why are they doing Kriya for the parchment which doesn't have the name of Hashem? So that's the way Rav Hutner interprets that Gemara. Now, I'm going to jump for a moment to Rav Yosef Dov's letter because he responds that this assumption that one has to do Kriya for the name of Hashem that's being burned is not clear to him. So Rav Hutner seems to assume that it's obvious that if the name of Hashem is burning because that's a major violation, one has to do Kriya. But Rabbi Yosef Dov says he's not sure about that point. So it could be only for burning Kisve HaKodesh one needs to do Kriya, not for the burning name of Hashem. So the root of this debate is that Rav Hutner assumes that the obligation of Kriya for a burning Kisve HaKodesh is because of the sin which is being committed. So burning the name of Hashem is an even more explicit sin. Whereas Rabbi Yosef Dov understands that the reason for the Kriya for Kisve HaKodesh that are burning is not because of the prohibition of the Torah which is being violated, but it's a separate halacha that one who witnesses such a horrifying event must do Kriya. So even though it's less of a prohibition than someone burning the name of Hashem, there might be a special halacha of Kriya for burning Kisve HaKodesh, not for the burning name of Hashem. So that's the first significant debate. Now, there's another significant issue. Rav Hutner in his letter assumes that as we saw earlier, there is a minimum requirement of 85 letters for something to be considered Kisve HaKodesh. Otherwise, it doesn't make the hands Tameh and you can't save it from a fire on Shabbos. So that's the minimum measurement. Now, Rav Hutner assumes that if there's less than 85 letters, it's not Kisve HaKodesh at at all. So let's say there would be a long passage, but the passage itself is not Kisve HaKodesh, only the names of Hashem, and there's less than 85 letters in the name of Hashem. So according to Rav Hutner, it's not Kisve HaKodesh in the traditional sense, only because of the names of Hashem that are written on there. And again, I'm going to jump to Rav Yosef Dov's letter because he questions this assumption. And he says that it's possible that even with less than 85 letters, it's still considered Kisve HaKodesh in the traditional sense, but some of the halachas of Kisve HaKodesh don't apply. So it's not saved from a fire on Shabbos, and it doesn't make the hands Tameh, but it's not that it loses its status as Kisve HaKodesh. So this, again, is a very fundamental question. Is the minimum measurement of 85 letters for the rules of Kisve HaKodesh, does that mean that less than that is not Kisve HaKodesh at all, or it just doesn't have some of the halachas of Kisve HaKodesh? Now, Rav Hutner also has a very strong question against Rabbi Yosef Dov, which is the Rambam we mentioned mentioned earlier explicitly rules that if someone writes a nickname, a kinui of Hashem, like Rachum Vichanun on a scroll, it can still be erased. So Rav Hutner asks, according to Rav Yosef Dov, that the names of Hashem are automatically Kisve HaKodesh. So what's the difference between the regular names of Hashem versus the nicknames? Either way, once they're written on a scroll, it becomes Kisve HaKodesh. So even though there's a difference between them in terms of their sanctity as names of Hashem, but in terms of making Kisve HaKodesh, there is no difference. So even if the nicknames of Hashem are written on a scroll, they should not be able to be erased as Kisve HaKodesh. So that's his question 
on Reb Yosef Dov. Now, he extends that question also to translated names of Hashem. So the Rambam holds that if someone writes the name of Hashem not in Hebrew, it's considered a kinui. So Rav Hutner says that that should also make the scroll Kisve HaKodesh. So let's say someone writes a long passage of the Torah in English. That should be considered Kisve HaKodesh. Now, again, Rav Yosef Dov responds to this, that there is a prohibition to write down the psukim of the Torah in a foreign language, in a scroll at least. So that's his response to Rav Hutner. How could this become Kisve HaKodesh when one is not supposed to be translating the whole pasuk with the name of Hashem into a foreign language? So Rav Yosef Dov agrees that if someone would translate the name of Hashem in a different context and write it into a scroll, that would be considered Kisve HaKodesh, but translating the actual words of the Torah into a foreign language is not Kisve HaKodesh. So that's the first half of Rav Hutner's letter where he focuses on this insight of Rav Yosef Dov that according to the Rambam, writing the name of Hashem in a scroll is automatically considered Kisve HaKodesh. Now in the second half, he turns to the next insights of Rav Yosef Dov. So he focuses on three things that were in the original article. First, Rav Yosef Dov wondered whether the idea of not writing Kisve HaKodesh on non-kosher parchment is a prohibition or it just means that it's not Kisve HaKodesh. So Rav Hutner brings a proof to the second option, not that there's a specific prohibition to do this, but it's just not considered Kisve HaKodesh. In addition, Rav Yosef Dov had argued that the idea of writing the words on kosher parchment is not because of the rules of Kisve HaKodesh, but because otherwise it's Lonitan Lihikasev, the Torah does not allow writing it on non-kosher parchment. So Rav Hutner questions that idea. And then finally, Rav Yosef Dov had suggested that the reason the Megillah Sota requires proper ink is because otherwise it's not allowed to be written. And the rules of Lonitan Lihikasev, when the Torah allows writing it down, apply to Megillah Sota. So Rav Hutner questions that because the Gemara explicitly derives that a Megillah Sota requires sirtut, the etching under the lines. And according to Rav Yosef Dov, that that should be included in otherwise it's not allowed to be written just like the ink. So that's Rav Hutner's question on that. And Rav Yosef Dov in his first letter counters these points with some technical points of his own, but I'm not going to go through that. So now that we have the basic outline of the debates between Rav Hutner and Rav Yosef Dov, so now I'm going to go through Rav Hutner's second letter, and then afterwards we'll go through Rav Yosef Dov's response. But again, I'm not going to go through all the details, just the main Major conceptual points. So in Rav Hutner's second letter, he clarifies that it's not that he believes that the obligation of Kriya for seeing Kisve HaKodesh burned has to do with the Torah prohibition, but rather he believes that there are two ways to interpret the whole issue. And this is based on a Rashi and Erchin, and he has other sources. But one of them is that the Kriya is for seeing the name of Hashem burned, which is a Torah prohibition. So according to that approach, there does seem to be some connection between the Torah's prohibition and the Kriya, but now Rav Hutner is suggesting, based on Rabbi Yosef Dov's idea, that it's not because of the Torah prohibition to burn the name of Hashem, but it's because it becomes Kisve HaKodesh. So Rav Hutner wasn't making an assumption, but he was saying that there are some sources that seem to connect the Kriya with the prohibition of burning Hashem's name. Now, 
Now, the second point Rav Hutner responds to is the issue of the minimum shear of 85 letters. So Rav Hutner had assumed that less than 85 letters is not considered kisve hakodesh at all. And Rabbi Yosef Dov questioned that. But then Rabbi Yosef Dov said something almost more radical, that if there's less than 85 letters, it's not considered a cheftza shel Torah, an object of Torah. And he brings a very interesting proof to this because nowadays when Torah Shabal Pet is permitted to be written down, so we save on Shabbos works of Torah Shabal Pet as well as Torah Shabbat In the olden days, there was no Torah Shabal Pet written. So the only book to save was Torah Shabbat But nowadays we also save Torah Shabal Pet. Says Rabbi Yosef Dov, it seems to him that the Torah Shabal Pet has to have a minimum of 85 letters as well. Because if Torah Shabal Pet would be saved even for 30 or 40 letters, so now why should Torah Shabbat be any worse than that? Even if it's not Kisve HaKodesh, but it's certainly Torah. So if someone has a page of Gemara and a page of a Chumash, and each of them only has 30 or 40 letters on it, how could it be that you save the Gemara and not the Chumash? So it must be that Torah Shabal Pet also requires a minimum of 85 letters. So Rav Hutner disagrees with this. And he says that there is no requirement of 85 letters for Torah Shabal Peh. And the idea that less than 85 letters is not a cheftza shel Torah, is not an object of Torah, Rav Hutner questions. Because he says that the measurement of Torah Shabal Peh is whether it's something that someone can learn from. So it's not about how many letters there are at all. It's whether it's usable. Is this a page of Gemara that someone could learn something from? In which case, even if it's only 10 or 20 letters, that's enough to be considered an object of Torah. And even if it's 100 or 200 letters, but it's not something that's usable to learn from, so that's not considered an object of Torah. As opposed to Torah Shebiksav, which doesn't matter whether it's usable, it only matters whether it has 85 letters letters. So there's a leniency and a stringency in the 85 letter measurement for Torah Shebiksav. If it's something that's understandable, even less than that, so then it's a stringency that it can't be saved because there's no 85 letters. And if it's something that's not understandable, so then it's a leniency that since there's 85 letters, it could be saved. So now he says that Rabbi Yosef Dov has a very strong question. Let's say there's a page of Gemara and a page of Chumash with only 40 or 50 letters on each, but they're both usable to learn from. So it turns out that on Shabbos, we're going to save the page of Gemara from the fire and not the Chumash but how could that be? Why is the Chumash not at least a page of Torah just like the Gemara? So to answer this, Rav Hutner suggests something sort of radical, which is that once the Torah Shabal Peh was permitted to be written down, so now if someone has a Sefer with Torah Shabal Peh in it, the general assumption would be that that just allows you to do the mitzvah of studying Torah, but the Sefer itself doesn't have the same kind of sanctity as, let's say, a scroll of Kisveha. Kodesh. Says Rav Hutner, maybe that's not the case. Maybe a Sefer of Torah Shabal Peh, once it's allowed to be written down, so that book now has internal sanctity 
almost like a scroll of Kisvei HaKodesh. So that's why it's possible that on Shabbos, you can't save the page of the Chumash, even though you could save the page of Gemara, because that page of Gemara comes from a book of Torah Shabal Peh. So it does have sanctity, and it's treated in some way like Kisvei HaKodesh. It's not the same status, but some of the halachas that apply to the Kisvei HaKodesh, because they're sanctified, apply also to the books of Torah Shabal Peh. As opposed to the page of Chumash, which is no longer part of the overall scroll of Kisvei HaKodesh because again, there's no 85 letters. So once that fragment loses the status of Kisvei HaKodesh, so then in fact it cannot be saved and you can't say, well, it's at least no worse than the page of Torah Shabal Peh because they work differently and they each have their own criteria for becoming sanctified. So this is a very original perspective about printed works of Torah Shabal Peh. And then Rav Hutner makes two more points countering Rabbi Yosef Dov's points, but we're going to leave Rav Hutner's letter there. Now, Rabbi Yosef Dov, in his second letter to Rav Hutner, so he responds mainly to the two conceptual points that are the key debates between them. First of all, the question of whether the Kriya on burning Kisve Kodesh is related to the prohibition to burn the name of Hashem. And second, whether Kisve Kodesh with less than 85 letters is sanctified and related to this is the question of whether a printed book of Torah Shabal Peh has some sort of sanctified status. So on the first point, Rabbi Yosef Dov doubles down on his idea that the Kriya is a special halacha for burning Kisvei HaKodesh, and it has nothing to do with the Torah prohibition to burn the name of Hashem. And he interprets the sources that Rav Hutner quoted along those lines. So there's a view of the Ureim that one tears for seeing the name of Hashem being burned. So according to Rav Hutner, that proves his point that there's a relationship between the Lav and the Kriya. But Rabbi Yosef Dov reads this differently to prove his point that the name of Hashem has the status of Kisvei HaKodesh. And he explains that what the Ureim is saying is that he's bothered by a question. He understands the Gemara to be saying that one tears not only for the words of Kisvei HaKodesh, meaning the parts of the parchment that have words on them, but even the margins which don't have words. So the Urayim's bothered, why should there be a tearing for the margins that don't have words so they're not Kisvei HaKodesh? So to that, the Urayim answers that once the parchment has Kisvei HaKodesh on it, even the margins which don't have words are sanctified. But the margins, according to the Urayim, are sanctified specifically because of the name of Hashem. So the area that actually has writing on it is sanctified because it's Kisvei HaKodesh, but then the other areas that don't have writing are sanctified because of the name of Hashem. So that's how Rabbi Yosef Dov reads what the Urayim is saying, and that proves his larger point that the name of Hashem creates the status of Kisvei HaKodesh. So that's the first issue that they're debating. Then in terms of the second issue that they're debating, whether a printed book of Torah Shabal Peh has some sort of sanctity or not. So Rabbi Yosef Dov makes a very crucial point that even when the Torah Shabal Peh is allowed to be written down, but there's no halacha of writing it. Now, what creates the sanctity of Kisvei HaKodesh is that these words are intended to be written down. 
Whereas Torah Shabal Peh, even though it's now allowed to write them down, but that's just a leniency that now we're allowed to write these words. But since there's no mitzvah or there's no rule of the Torah to write them down, so there's nothing to sanctify those words on a page. So that's how he counters Rav Hutner's point on this. And he disagrees with Rav Hutner's overall perspective that the minimum measurement for Torah Shabbat Sav is 85 letters and the minimum measurement for Torah Shabbal Peh is if it's usable to learn from. And according to Rabbi Yosef Dov, there is no minimum measurement. So any amount of words are considered a Hefza Shal Torah. They all have the status of Torah and even Kisve HaKodesh, even just a few letters. But there is a limitation that Kisve HaKodesh less than 85 letters don't make one's hands Tameh and they're also not saved on Shabbos. And that also applies to Torah Shabal Pet printed words. So according to Rabbi Yosef Dov, a page of Gemara with less than 85 letters would not be saved on Shabbos. So these are some of the major points that Rav Hutner and Rabbi Yosef Dov debate back and forth. And there's some interesting material in their debates, but it's most interesting and inspiring to see how these two great young Talmidei Chachamim at the time are debating back and forth in these intricate issues.